Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Another brand new edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides for the 10th of March, Thursday. And the Flyers, for the first time in a very long time, going to head out on the road and play an NHL game. As a matter of fact, the last time they played a road game, it was the day after Valentine's Day on February 15th. That was that game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Then they came home for an eight-game homestand, which wrapped up on Tuesday night with the Vegas Golden Knights and a 2-1 victory and a 47-save effort for Carter Hart. But it's Florida tonight for the Flyers. Then they'll be back at it Saturday afternoon in Carolina, 3 o'clock start, and then back-to-back games Saturday and Sunday. Sunday, they'll be back home, but to take on the Montreal Canadiens at 7 p.m. Now, this weekend, we also changed the clocks, so the clocks will... As they say, spring forward, fall back, spring forward, and we'll lose an hour of sleep, which is not ideal. But anyway, uh, it'll be back-to-back games this weekend, three and four days uh, for the Flyers. Florida and Carolina, the first two of this on the road, very difficult opponents. And when you look at the opponents, uh, or the winning percentages and points percentage in the NHL, uh, two and three in the highest point percentages in the league are Florida and Carolina. Florida at 728 points percentage, that's third in the NHL. Carolina, 741, that's second in the NHL. Now, Florida, one of those teams that scores at an alarming clip. They're almost a throwback team in a lot of ways. They're the only team in the NHL that averages over four goals per game. They average 4.12 goals per game. For example, Colorado, we know how good that team is offensively and all the weapons. McCarr's got 65 points already and uh, obviously, McKinnon and Landeskog and Miko Rantanen, that team averages 3.91 goals per game. And the Panthers, 4.12 goals per game. Now, it's not just about putting the puck in that. you got to keep it out of your net. That's something that the Florida Panthers are pretty darn good at as well. Not at the top of the league. You know, Carolina is the stingiest team at giving up goals. But you look at a team like Florida. They're tied for 14th in the NHL, tied with Colorado at 2.88 goals per game. Power play, also coming in at 12th in the NHL, clicking at a 22.7 rate. Special teams not alarmingly good, solid, but just just a really good team. Penalty kill for Florida as well is 13th in the league at 80.5%. Now, who leads the way for the Florida Panthers? Well, you got Barkoff there. We know how good he is. 44 games played. He's missed some time this season, but he's got 26 goals and 31 assists and 57 points, again, in just 44 games. But leading the way, and for my money right now, probably the guy that I think should win the Hart Trophy as the NHL's most valuable player, and that's Jonathan Huberdeau. 57 games played, how about 18 goals and 60 assists. He's averaging more than an assist a game, 60 assists in 57 games, and 78 points in just 57 games. He plays a lot of minutes. He's on the ice. Over 19 minutes a game. He's got 21 power play assists, three power play goals as well. A shorthanded goal, a shorthanded assist. He is doing it all. He is a spectacular player. Often one of those guys that was very underrated. And it's weird because his teammate, teammate Alexander Barkov, was the kind of the guy that everybody said, he's the best player in the league that nobody knows. Well, they're saying that about Uberdo now. And he's just been an unbelievable player. Uh, player this season for the Florida Panthers. They're getting the job done. Uh, in goal, Sergei Bobrovsky, 40 games played. He's got a record of 29-6-3. That is 
pretty gaudy, but only a 916 save percentage. You would think his save percentage would be higher. But again, this Florida team averages over four goals per game. Bobrovsky also on the season has a 2.55 goals against average. Perhaps it's Spencer Knight that gets the start, who's played 19 games for the Young American Netminder, 10, 6, and 2 on the year, 3.10 goals against average. And he also has a 9.02 save percentage. So it's the Flyers and the Panthers coming up tonight to kick off this little two-game set, Florida tonight, and the Carolina Hurricanes coming up on Saturday. And they'll be back home Sunday to take on the Montreal Canadiens. Flyers coming off back-to-back wins. And I got a tweet from a guy who said, hey, man, I love the positivity show, and it worked. And sometimes, you know, what I said, my response was, positive thinking yields positive results. It's like that when you do one of those, it may seem goofy to some people, but you do a vision board. You put things where you, you're envisioning your career going, and if you put it on a vision board, it, it'll come to fruition. I don't know if any of that's true, but sometimes positive thinking is needed, and sometimes it does yield positive results. So uh, we're going to get back to the positivity and some of the responses um, to the question about something positive with the flyer season coming up in tomorrow's episode. But in this episode, we've got a special guest. We've had her on before. She was on a little while back. I can't even remember what the reason was that we had Emily Kaplan on. We were getting some national writers on the uh, podcast. Maybe this is just before the season started. Well, Emily Kaplan from ESPN, she does the games now. She's been in between the benches. She's been a feature writer for theirs. She appears on SportsCenter, In the Crease podcast with Linda Cohn, and she also uh, has done uh, Pardon the Interruption and a lot of other different shows. So she joins us once again because she sat down with Claude Giroux at All-Star Weekend, had a real in-depth interview and piece that she did on the Flyers captain. So I decided to get her back on again and talk about that and more. Here's my conversation with ESPN's Emily Kaplan. She's making a return appearance here on Flyers Daily. She's been on the show before from ESPN. And the In the Crease podcast, it is Penn State's and New Jersey's Emily Kaplan. Emily, how are you? Good. I love being identified with those two things. I feel like it's the unique intersection of uh, being Flyers fans, right? Unfortunately, yeah. I'm from North Jersey. Just don't tell anyone. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, is I've been in this, in covering the NHL and working in, within the NHL for, God, 20-some years. And I talked to so few Penn Staters because you know our fellow alumni are all over the country and world, but they don't seem to interact a lot a lot with them in the NHL world. It's true, but now that we have a D one hockey team and it's established, and they got there just after I left, I feel like there's going to be more players in the game, more people associated with the game, more people with experience to the game. So I'm waiting for this next wave of Penn Staters to hit the NHL because I know it's inevitable. Yeah, I hope you're right. It's funny when I talked to Joe Batista, who runs the program there, when I was still in high school about going there, and he said, before you graduate, uh, we'll be D1, because they just joined the Big Ten in 1990. Mm-hmm. Now, it took me a while to graduate, Joe, <laughs> but th- but it didn't take me that long. <laughs> I love it. Um, what I want to start is with Claude Giroux with you, because I saw the piece that you did you had to sit down with Claude and obviously that's a big name that's out there. And, you know, he's the face of this franchise has been for a long time. He's uh, joined some very elite company within the organization. When you're talking about second in points overall, number one in power play points, the longest tenured captain. And I want to ask you at first, just kind of the vibe you got sitting down with Claude because, you know, he's a reserved guy. And as a captain, he won't give you a whole lot when it comes to, 
prognosticating about the future because it's always about the team with him. But what was kind of the vibe that you got that you picked up from Claude in that moment when you guys had a sure. chance to sit down? Yeah, he, he's the man, not of many words, that's for sure. But when he does speak, I feel like his words matter and he chooses them carefully. And my takeaway, and we did this interview while he was in Vegas for the All-Star Game, was just how difficult this process is and how difficult it is for him to talk about. It's so apparent that he takes pride in being a flyer and playing for the city of Philadelphia, which he calls his second home. He's played here for 15 years. It's the only place he's ever known. And I think he's coming to the realization that that could end um, and it could end soon. And he's in the process of processing it, you know, but when we sat down to do this interview, I just thought it was interesting that he spoke in past tense and, you know, he was kind of looking back at this kind of end of an era and end of a chapter. And honestly, it's really sad because while he found a lot of individual success and while right when he came here right away, you know, they go to the Stanley cup finals and have that crushing defeat to the Blackhawks. Um, he hasn't found the team success or really the ultimate goal of the Stanley cup. And, you know that's going to be a big regret with him if he isn't able to do that with the Flyers because he cares about this team, this franchise, the city so much. Yeah, it seems like when he's, he had, he had a, a media availability and he was asked quite a few questions. And the one thing, and you're so right, because the one thing I really picked up on in the beginning of your piece that you did, he said, it's been a blast. It's been a blast. You know, yeah. it's not, it's not, it's a blast. It's been a blast. But he seems, you know, in a way like he's like, tortured in his own mind about what to do because he in a lot of ways he doesn't want to leave but he knows that the cup is so important that's the the idolization of a trophy from when you're a little kid for sure and that's the thing that I know about hockey players if you ask any single one of them what is your goal like I have a hard pressed time to find someone who didn't say my dream my goal is to win the Stanley Cup it's such a championship oriented sport and he's now 34 years old. And, you know, unfortunately in hockey, that makes you one of the old guys. And it makes you kind of stare down your twilight and wonder how many years you have left and how many chances you have left. And, you know, this season just derailed for the Flyers. I think organizationally, they don't think they're far off. And they might not be far off. I mean, I was really high on this team before the season began. And then you just saw how many, you know, pieces of adversity they had to deal with and how things kind of conspire quickly. But, you know all things considered you only get so many chances and the fact that he might have one this spring to go and join a team that's 90% of the way through and get that chance it's probably one that's too good to pass up Emily you're a very cerebral thinker you're a Penn Stater um, <laughs> but you know the piece you did on mental health and stuff I'm going to ask you about that but I want to kind of bridge the, the two real quick because you know in hockey it seems to me that guys that are, are long tenured players with a team and they get traded at a deadline as a kind of a rental, it's very rare that they return to the team where they've been for so long. As you mentioned, Claude's the longest tenured athlete here, 14 years. He's been the longest tenured captain. He's the face. He's the guy that's got to step in front of the media day in, day out and answer tough questions. Um, you know, Keith Kachuk back in 2003, I think it was, or 2000, yeah, 2003, was traded from St. Louis to Atlanta. And then did return to St. Louis. But that's very rare that that happens. Why do you think that is? And my colleague, Greg Wyshynski, says it's because guys don't like to move their stuff. So once they move it once, they probably don't want to part move it again. That's part of it for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, I, you know, I, I don't know if there's a direct answer to it. And I, I bet there's a lot of people who want to. I just think sometimes it's just so awkward to say goodbye. And you have to find this closure and you enter this next chapter. 
um, also feel like one of the reasons that you leave is because the team's in a different place where you are. And at that stage in your career, you're, you know, thinking of how many times, you know, left you have to win the Stanley Cup and the team probably needs more years than that. And that's why I think it is a unique situation that Claude finds himself in because, again, this year might just be kind of a blip for Philly. They might be very competitive next year. He wants to win with this city. So maybe it's a case where he does go somewhere else this spring and, and realizes he can go home again and maybe he never moves his stuff to begin with. He just keeps it there in Philly. Yeah, just pack a bag. You know, the one thing about it, too, is, you know, when you go somewhere else, like th- there's a newness to somewhere else. Like I always say this, it's always good to have guys on your team that need the G- need GPS to find the practice facility for a period mm-hmm. of time. That when you get to the rink, they got to go, okay, where's the change room? Where's the shower? Where's the bathroom? Like there's, a, you need that invigoration. And when a guy like that's been here so long and been the stature of Claude Giroux goes somewhere else, now he can just be a hockey player. If he comes back here, he's back into the, you know, the face and all that, even though he's at a different point in his career, you know, it's a weird thing for hockey players. And when you can go and just be a hockey player and be a guy instead of the guy at this point in his career, he might like that. For sure. I mean, I don't want to compare these two guys at all because they have very different stories, but I think there's some kind of sentiment to it. Um, Jack Eichel is returning to Buffalo on Thursday night and I sat down with him and he just talked about the different pressure that he felt. And he felt like in Buffalo as the captain, as the face of the franchise, sometimes he put too much pressure on himself. Um, Of course, he was not surrounded with the type of talent that he got in Vegas. In Vegas, he's one of four captains on that team. They've got Mark Stone. They've got Alex Petrangelo and Max Pacioretty who are also captains. And he doesn't have to be the guy, just one of the guys. And it almost empowers him just to play hockey and worry about hockey. And I think that's something that he's cherishing at this stage, just especially because how dramatic his end was in in Buffalo. Um, And I wonder if Claude will feel a little bit of that because there's so much that's burdened on being the face of the franchise, the captain, the guy that's been there the longest. And it might be nice to go in somewhere, come in as the second, third line center, you know, not everything or, you know, a winger even on, on a bottom line and not everything's expected of you. You can just play hockey. Yeah, it's liberating in a lot of ways. Let me ask you about Eichel because it, I think that's really important that he realizes that at such a young age because he's a young player and he's a great player. And it's a guy that a lot of Flyer fans are ruining that they didn't go after and get. And he's back and he's got six points in his in his first 10 games. He played the Flyers on Tuesday. It was pointless in that one, his 11th game. Um, but, you know, the captaincy in, in hockey is romanticized. And Claude's carried that that label that I call the scarlet letter at this point, because, you know, if the team's not winning, it's rip off the C and all those things, but leadership in hockey takes way more than one man. It really does. Um, And I feel like if you talk to any team, um, they'll talk about their leadership committee and the different guys that they go to for different things. If there's, you know, the in-game rah-rah guy, if there's the guy that's more of the deep thinker and just, you know, dispenses wisdom when it's important to him, the guys that lead by example on the ice, whatever it might be. Um, And I know that the Flyers do have a leadership group, but there is something, I I like your analogy of the Scarlet Letter because there is something when you wear that C that you almost speak for the franchise, just like a GM speaks for the franchise when he really has a leadership team around him of assistant GMs and director of hockey ops and scouts and all of that. Um, So I I do think there is an extra pressure to it. And it's, it's kind of nice not wearing that C anymore and just being one of the guys. How much of in your conversation with Claude did you kind of get the sense that the re- one of the reasons he's torn is yeah he spent his whole career here but it's also the relationships with a lot of the players that he really enjoys. Yeah, it's the players, it's also the staffers. I feel like we never talk about that, but 
Yeah. I'm sure he has the same equipment guys and trainers that he's dealt with for years. And those are the guys that help him get going. You know, it's the parking attendant you see every day. It's also the fans that have shown him so much love. And just knowing when you look into, you know, the arena in Philadelphia and there's all these jerseys of people adoring you and who have relationships yeah. with you and have stories and memories of you. If you go to a new team, like no one's going to be wearing your jersey anymore, especially right at first. And maybe they will. Um, so just those relationships, I, I think, are really understated. Um, because if you think of like every, every single day for the last 14 plus years, like that's a really long time. Yeah. That's your identity in a lot of ways. Um, beat, you know, he's grown up here, um, came in as this, you know, kid with this crazy flow hair and six skills. And all these years later, he's a married man, two young boys. You were out there with him at all-star when, when you conducted the interview. And I know he had Gavin with him, his older son. Uh, how much, did he seem to enjoy that experience of having his oldest son there with him who's still seemed, very little? It seemed cool. I'm pretty sure that we squeeze this interview in between a nap time or during a nap time. Um, it's great when hockey players realize that kids, they're just like them. They love naps because hockey players also love naps. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you kind of see the maturity of the man, you know, he's now a family man, which is not how he came to Philadelphia, right? He was a young kid. Um, he's established roots there. And now, especially talking to athletes at that level. It's so cool for them, for their kids to see them perform and, and see them at that stage and to be able to share the experiences like being at All-Star, even if they don't quite remember it at the time. Um, it's just a different perspective they get. Yeah, no doubt. Um, let me ask you about, you know, just kind of what you're hearing about guys moving at the deadline from Philadelphia. There's a lot of names out there. Claude obviously leads that way, leads the, you know, kind of the, the board there. But Rasmus Ristolainen's on an expiring deal. You look at guys like uh, Justin Braun, who can really provide some right side help for uh, a team on the blue line, Martin Jones, and there's some others. Is the Flyers one of those names that always comes up in deadline conversation right now? Yeah, and I, I do think that, you know, the goal, I, I think I've alluded to it a couple times, but is to kind of just recalibrate this summer, but keep on the track because they don't think that they need to tear this down and rebuild. That said, um, when guys aren't expiring contract, it's a good opportunity to get some draft picks or maybe pick up some younger players who can help you out. Um, I do expect Justin Braun to move. I feel like there's a lot of defensemen out there, um, but he's one of those guys that's on a pretty affordable contract. Yeah. Um, a veteran who can just kind of plug and play right away is the perfect sixth, seventh defenseman for a team. Rosmus Ristolainen, um, he's a player that is built for the playoffs, and it's just such a shame that in his career so far, he's never been on a playoff team. Um, I know he's looking for the experience of playing for a playoffs, but I also know that the Flyers are saying, this is a guy that we gave up a lot for and we have a lot of faith in and we'll have him for the playoffs because we're going to be in the playoffs next year. So they're trying to resign him right now. We'll see where those negotiations go. Um, that's definitely one to keep an eye on. I think some teams will be interested in Martin Jones. It's just we thought there was going to be a lot of goalies available. There's not that many. He's got a lot of experience in this league. Um, you know, maybe you get kind of a mid or late round pick for him. And then I do expect Claude to go. Um, I, I just think that he has an opportunity to chase a cup this spring, and then we'll see what happens this summer. Where do you think he ends up? Colorado's been the name that's out there ad nauseum at this point. I, I don't has. think it is Colorado. I think it's more Florida or Carolina, or maybe even the Rangers. Mm, um, I'm not so sure about Carolina. Uh, I would be more surprised there because I don't know if they're ready to make that total splash. It seems like they're kind of just keeping things on a – a lower track. Um, Florida is ready to, they want to be a destination for guys to come to. I do think the Rangers are very interested with $32 million of cap space, but they'd have to give up a lot if they're making a trade in division. Chuck Fletcher is a, 
a wise man. He, he knows what the uh, in-division tax looks like. Um, and then the St. Louis Blues is kind of the wild card team. I know they're working on trying to stay relevant in the mix and showing Claude that that's a good place to play where he has a legitimate chance to win. So my best guess as of now would be Florida, St. Louis, or Colorado. But I'm recording this uh, too far ahead of the trade deadline, and you know things can change at any minute. Yeah, that's the fun part about it. Um, last thing for you, uh, let me ask you about the piece you did on mental health. I think we talked about it last time you were on, and I just I love the piece because, you know, we, we look at professional athletes sometimes, and we assume that they go into a phone booth and they put on a cape and they're a superhero, but they're actually human beings and they go through things as well. And the pandemic was tough on people. I know Connor Hellebuck talked about it, about the restrictions and you know how it it can affect the the mental health of not only players but fans and giving people something to go to obviously our world's in a much better place and we're hoping that this trend continues uh but there's going to be guys that probably still need help and you know where do you kind of see you know for players in the league and and people involved in the game uh this kind of going and is the league committed to helping players in that regard now i think we're making progress i still would like to see more progress um i mm -hmm. think we got the awareness aspect out of the way. We we talk about Mental Health Awareness Month. We we have stories out there. I think there's behind the scenes commitments that need to be made. I think it's ridiculous that there's not a therapist assigned to every team. I think guys sometimes need help and they don't know where to go and they feel stigmatized. And maybe they ask their agent, maybe it's weird. If there's somebody in the building that you feel like you can trust that's there, um, that's there just for you, um, I think it would make it easier for a lot of guys to open up Great and talk. Point. Um, so those, that's like a small change I'd like to see. Um, but I do think that this pandemic, it's affected all of us in ways that we haven't seen yet. Um, in the short term, we were stripped away a lot of things that we enjoyed, a lot of social interactions, and that was really challenging. And now I think we're in the period now where we're normalizing and figuring out what our new normal looks like. And that's not easy either. Um, and, and there's a lot of things that aren't the same and have been taken away from us. So I would just continue, you know, the awareness, it's great. I, I, I don't, discourage anyone from saying be aware but i think more tangible steps are needed and i let i think we're getting in the right direction i know the nhl and teams are listening but these are big societal changes that take time yeah there's a lot of there's going to be scar tissue for years in dealing with this and people how they assimilate back in and you know having a psychologist or on staff that's there at all times that you can just walk in close the door and it's not a sports psychologist not a performance coach but it's for mental health and i think that's really important because it can lead guys it can stem things before you know you you know you, people medicate or self-medicate and it could help with addiction and all kinds of things and it's not just about addiction to chemicals or anything else but i think it's really important it's a great point that you bring up uh how's the podcast going with linda Cohn? amazing she's the coolest it's like I love being I love being able to work with her because she had held the torch for hockey for so long on our network. And yeah. guys love talking to her because they all grew up watching her, you know, carry that torch and get on Sports Center and squeezing hockey in. Um, so we're having a ton of fun. You know, we've gotten some cool new opportunities this year. We love sharing our stories about our travels and who we're interacting with and also just our opinions on the game. And um, she's got some opinions, let me tell you that. So I implore everyone to turn in. Yeah, she's awesome because you can tell how much fun she has talking about the game. It's infectious. That's that's what I love about it. It's and it, it comes through and it's so authentic. And I love that yeah. you said that I feel the same way. Yeah, she's great. In the crease podcast. Uh you're doing great work on ESPN, Emily. Thanks for doing this so much. Uh best of luck. We'll talk again soon.
Thanks, Jason. You caught me between, I feel like between two ferns, between two Flyers games, ABC on Saturday. Uh, we're oh. broadcasting your game again against the Carolina Hurricanes. It's in Raleigh. And good news for Flyers fans, the Canes feel like they do terribly every time they're on national TV. So good luck. Thanks to Emily Kaplan for joining us in this episode of Flyers Daily. We'll have another brand new one coming up tomorrow. We'll break down Flyers Panthers on a brand new episode, Friday edition, coming up of Flyers Daily. Have a great day, everybody. 